Thank you, brother. Good morning uh, to all of you. I trust that you have had a good week, and it's good to be together this morning in the house of the Lord to worship. And uh, uh, for me, it has been a, a wonderful week, a full week indeed. I uh, had opportunity to be part of the Global Leadership uh, Summit uh, on Thursday and Friday, and those were two very full days, but two very, very important days in my life for sure. Well, I'm just wondering uh, if this might have been a week when you needed to put on your game face. <laughs> uh, a game face is uh, a face that we put on when we are needing just to keep going and just keep persevering. We, we put on our game face and we get out there and we do what has to be done when we have to battle with our surroundings. And it usually is a tough face. It says, by golly, I can do this. I can get through this. I can press forward. And I, I wonder if you had a chance to watch even a few innings of baseball these past days. I caught a, just a little bit of uh, St. Louis Cardinals and the San Francisco Giants. And what a great series that one is right now. But uh, look at those faces. Here are some games. I love that game face. I mean, he's into it. And there, here's the next one. I mean, this guy has got his game face on. And the next one. Those are game faces. You know, and when we finally are able to let down, we manage to take off our game face, and we live normally. But when we put on our, our game face, really it's a survival tactic. We have to keep going, we say. We've got we to gotta get out there and, and do what we've got to do. And then sometimes we just get hammered and we get pushed around. And then we come home and everything and everyone is waiting for us at home to put it all together on the home front as well. And I don't know about you, but sometimes it just seems a little bit overwhelming, a little bit too stressful. So my heart this morning is, uh, is for all of us who carry uh, full plates. My heart is for those who, uh, who want to make some more strides in managing the things that come at us. They can be stress-inducing if we allow them to be or they can be great opportunities for us to figure out how we can create margin in life. So, so just relax this morning. Uh, I have not come to induce guilt. <laughs> if you have a hectic schedule, that's not my plan. Because honestly, as Norb, I heard him praying since uh, this summer, it, it's really been a blur uh, for many of us uh, who have been going full out uh, with the construction of this facility. But that was a season, and uh, it's nearly over, and the, the pace will even out. My wife has just learned to smile when I say that. She knows the pace will even out, because she's lived with me for over 40 years, and she knows that the pace never really evens out. It just changes. You can click that off, Paul. Uh, my, uh, for some reason, when we come to the uh, middle of October, we're all now fully immersed in fall. 
and our, uh, the busyness of our schedules. Uh, everything is up and running. And from, for the next four weeks, we just seem to be like in, in full fall schedule. And so maybe it's a good Sunday to think about time. Maybe even rebooting if necessary. To say, what is happening to me? Do, do I need a restart, a restart? Do I need to relook at some things in my life? And maybe, in fact, you're doing that these days. Uh, you're just at that place where you're having to say, well, I better relook at some of the things that are happening to me. Well, there's a verse in the Old Testament that I'd like to camp on for just a few moments this morning. It's found in Psalm 90, uh, a psalm that we dust off when we are reflecting on that amazing characteristic of God called timelessness. And we have a God who is characterized as timeless. He's not bound by time. Uh, we are. We are bound by time, and we struggle with boundaries uh, for the limited time we have. And we have a time span on this earth. And none of us know how long that time span is. It can be cut short by tragedy, such as this week in Alberta. Five workers in the province of Alberta were tragically killed at different sites, different work sites throughout the province. Uh, I think five on one day, tragically. So we never know when we get up in the morning what the events of the day can hold. No one ever expected 9-11. Eleven years ago, suddenly it was there, and all of us are impacted in some way by the events of that tragic day. And what it did was heighten the awareness of the unexpected. And as, as Norb prayed uh, for the mission to San Salvador in just over a week, we have been told repeatedly, when the sun goes down, you should not be wandering the streets. The presence of gangs in El Salvador does not make for a safe place after dark. So one of the greatest gifts that God generously hands to us is the gift of time. It's a gift that we all get. It's true, some more than others. And it's a gift that if we're not careful, we might even take for granted. The Bible gives us some great insight into how time can become your friend rather than your enemy. Basically, God exists in a realm that is not bound by time or space. God doesn't wear a Rolex or even a Timex. He doesn't have a day timer or even an iPhone. He doesn't need one because he's the creator of time. And he is greater than time. And the psalmist figured that out as well because he penned these words thousands of years ago. That before the mountains were born or you brought forth the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. He's an awesome, everlasting God. The timelessness of God. And so what do we battle with? Time. I was at the, at the Y some time ago. And after working out with a, I took a quick jump in the hot tub. And this man begins to talk as we are in this 
rather close environment. And he begins to talk about how frustrated he is in life. And he just begins to pour out his heart. And he's frustrated about the way he's living his life. He's trapped by working 16 hours a day. He's complaining that my family doesn't even appreciate it. He says, if I die, the only thing they will say as kind of a compliment is, he worked hard. And so he was just unraveling his soul. He felt trapped. He was confused by the lack of margin in his life. And I think his life is not all that uncommon. We are not timeless. Yet. We have a span of time in which we're trying to accomplish some things. We got some things to do that we, wanna, that we want to accomplish before our time expires. And we know that there's someone who is watching over us in all the traffic of life, as that video showed so wonderfully this morning. And, and the voice is, I've been waiting for you. I've been waiting for you. But you've been going so fast. But I've been waiting for you to slow down and to spend some time with me. What is it that we're trying to do before our time runs out? And that's not a bad question to think about. What is it that we are confused about? And what is important? We're always saying, where did the time go? Where did the time go? And young moms and dads, I don't even have to ask you about your schedule. Wow. I don't know how you do it. You're very busy people. Some of you have tremendous pressure. And you're trying to figure out how to put it all together. Because you've never been this way before. And you actually do amazingly well. You stay reasonably calm through it all. And you are learning patience and endurance. And this is a growing learning process. And we'll all find our way. And maybe some of it will be through trial and error and banging our heads and getting hurt and experiencing pain. But whatever it is, keep going. Keep going. And then every once in a while, blow the whistle and have a family conference. And see if you can get better at it. Maybe that question should be at the top of our agenda. What in the world are we really trying to do before our time expires? But here's the question and the verse that I want us to mull over before we have brunch this morning. Same psalm, close to the end, and David writes these words. Teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. We're, we're on a collision course with time, and busyness and time eventually collide. But let's look at this word time. T is for treasure. Teach us, teach us to number our days. When we stop to number things, it's usually because those things are important to us. Well, God says, number your days. 
I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't mean figure out how many days you have left because you can't. He means treasure what you have. Value them. Whatever time you have, well, just see it as a gift. Sometimes we can't quite get the perspective on how valuable time is until we look at things from a, a certain viewpoint. I mean, to realize the value of one year, ask a student who failed a grade. And you kind of get the perspective. Or to realize the value of one month, ask a mom who gave birth to a premature baby. When Marg was born, my wife, she was, she was born premature. She was born at seven months, and she weighed just over three pounds. She's born out on the farm without medical assistance. She kept warm. Her parents put her in a little shoebox, opened the coal stove, opened the lid, and rested the, the little shoebox on the lid of the stove to keep warm enough in their cold house and fed her with a little eyedropper until they could get her to the hospital and a plane flew in and landed in the pasture and finally after there was, it was foggy for three days, finally they got her out and got her to the hospital where she spent the next two or three months in the hospital. But one month, two months is quite a big deal when you're a preemie. We ask how valuable is an hour. We'll ask the businessman whose flight was delayed an hour and he failed to make that important deal. How valuable is a minute? We'll ask the man who had a heart attack in the restaurant and an EMT happened to be sitting at the next table and CPR saved his life. How valuable is a second? Ask the person who barely missed a head-on with an oncoming car. Just a second. Just that second. How valuable is a millisecond? Millisecond. Ask the Olympic swimmer who missed qualifying by six-tenths. Time really is valuable. And after a while, you realize what a big deal time is for you, for your family. So treasure every moment that you have. Yesterday is history. I mean, some of the stuff in yesterday, you just have to let go because it's history. You can't do anything about it. Tomorrow is a mystery. You don't know what's coming, but today is a gift. And that's why it's called the present. It's an amazing gift, the gift of time. A.W. Tozer wrote, Time is a resource that is non-renewable and non-transferable. You cannot store it up, hold it up, divide it up, or give it up. You can't hoard it up or save it for a rainy day. When it's lost, it's unrecoverable. When you kill time, remember that it has no resurrection. Love that from A.W. Tozer. One of our neighbors uh, not too long ago shared with me that uh, he had a, a big decision to make. And he simply wanted a little bit of feedback from me. Uh, the, the, the thing was that he had been offered a job, an excellent job, that would net him twice his salary 
that he's now making. And uh, I don't know exactly what he's making, but I, I think it would be pretty, a pretty good salary that he's making right now. But this new job would net him twice what he's making. But the downside of the decision is the fact that he'll be away three weeks out of four weeks, including the weekends. And then he'll have one full week, seven days at home, and then he'll go back and he'll repeat that thing over again. And so he was asking for my counsel. I just lived right across the street uh, at that time. And because he was looking down the road, and uh, really what he was looking at is that he could retire early. That was his bottom line. He just saw the fact that he could take 10 years off his working career and, and he could retire early. So he was playing these things off. To me, it was a no-brainer. I told him, you have a beautiful family, but if you take this job, you can expect that your family will have to make its way without you. And uh, when you come back that one week out of four, don't expect them to suddenly stand at the door and say, oh, great, dad's home. Because after a while, it will wear thin and life will go on without you. And they will simply say, hi, dad, but they'll have their own life. So you have this window to be with your family. And I just said it fairly clearly. Don't miss it. And he looked at me and said, I expected you to say that. <laughs> well, he took the job, despite the feedback I gave him. Nobody ever listens to me. <laughs> well, it, it wasn't too long, six months or so, and I saw him around a lot more. I said, what's up? What's up? He said, it wasn't worth it. It wasn't worth it. I hated being away from home, and since I have a choice... I don't have to be away. I mean, some people do have to be away. That's another thing. Uh, we met a, a lady yesterday who the, the new Costco opened, and Marg and I had to get there first thing in the morning just to check this Costco out. It was really for Marg that I was there. And, uh, and so I was going through the, the counter, and the gal, I said, did you get transferred from another Costco store? No, she said, We're, I came out from St. Catherine's because uh, this was my opportunity to have a full-time job. So she left her family and her friends back in St. Catharines, and she moved out to Edmond, and she said, I've just been here a, a few days, and I'm starting my new job. Well, she, she's had to make a pretty big choice for the sake of employment. But this guy said, since I don't have to be away, I decided to resign and go back to my original job. And fortunately, he's good at what he does, and he got back to his original job. I guess as I watch many of you as young couples start out raising your families, my hope is that you would find a pathway that creates some margin in your lives and some ways in which you could keep off the treadmill that produces such stress and pain and brokenness in families. Yeah, and I have to tell you honestly from, from the perspective of one who hasn't done a great job. I wish I could say, boy, I nailed that. It's not true.
Yeah, it's been one of the toughest areas of my life. I haven't known when to stop. When to say, that's enough. You know how to set those priorities. Don't you wish sometimes you could have another go at it? A reboot? How about a restart? You see, many of our jobs, there's never a finish line. It's never done. And so we keep working because there isn't a finish line. I mean, when is the end of a day? When is the end of a week? When is the end of a month? And what does that mean? And I think the word reminds us this morning to treasure the time that God has given to you. Please. I is for invest. Teach us to number our days aright that we may gain. And there's a reason to treasure our days and see them as a gift from God, and that is that they may be productive, that we may gain. You know, whenever you put some money in your, your savings account, you hope that you might have a little interest on your money. You're looking for a gain. If you're investing these days, don't expect a great gain. But you're hoping for some gain. Interestingly enough, you can't save time. Isn't that something? It's true, you can take a shortcut, you can try to be as efficient as possible, but you can never save time. You have, like I do, 86,400 seconds every day. You can't save them somewhere in a heritage time fund and use them later. Stephen Covey writes, time management is a misleading concept. You can't really manage time. You can't delay it, speed it up, save it or lose it. No matter what you do, time keeps moving forward at the same rate. The challenge is not to manage time, but to manage ourselves. <laughs> what decisions do I make about my life? About my life. 86,400 seconds is given every day, and not one of those seconds is saved. But one day, those seconds don't come anymore because time is up. Do you remember the story of King Hezekiah? He was sick, and he was about to die, and he prayed. And God said he was going to heal Hezekiah and give him 15 more years. Oh, I tell you, when you're expecting that your time allotment is up and God grants you 15 more years, what a blessing. And he had 15 more years and he used them for God. The letter, uh, the writer of the letter to the Ephesians chapter 5 defies us to make the very best of every opportunity because the days are evil. The Bible says that we're to take advantage of capitalizing on opportunities, to be alert to the possibilities that are around us, seizing the opportunities, snagging them 
like that you would snag a ball out in center field. You would see it coming and you would jump and you would snag it. You would hold on to it. You would grab it. You would seize it. Our football team this year has had their ups and downs. Have you noticed that? They look so promising at times. And we say, that's the team that could go all the way. Until the next game, we say, where was our team? What happened to them? And so many games have come to missing a few crucial plays. Like Hamilton last night. Did any of you see that? The very last play, and they could have won the game over Calgary. And they dropped the ball for the kicker. And, and when the guy went to boot it, the ball was not there. And then the time had elapsed. The game was over and Calgary won. Vince Lombardi once said that any football game is worth often one in 10 or 12 crucial decisions. Capitalizing on those key moments, those key plays in the game is often the big difference. They make or break the game. So I ask, what are the opportunities that are coming our way? From day to day, from season to season, some very crucial decisions that God is putting in our lap. And we grab onto them, and we seize them, and we capitalize on them. That we may gain, that we may gain, that we invest. Well, M is for management. Teach us to number our days aright. And that little word right means in the right way. And, and, and of course, that's management when you do it in the right way. Teach me to manage the gift of time. Because always there's not enough time. We multitask. There's a study about dangerous things that people do when they're driving. The third most dangerous thing is talking on the phone while driving. Now, people do that, obviously, because they don't have enough time, I guess. And that's why we have a law against it, to talk on the phone while you're driving. The second most dangerous thing that people do while they're driving is putting on makeup. This surely must apply only to women. <laughs> of course, there isn't anyone here that that would apply to, but, but that is the second most disturbing thing about driving in, this, uh, in terms of distraction. And the single most dangerous thing that people do while they're driving is they, they read. <sighs> Have you ever pulled up beside somebody and looked over and they're actually reading a book? They're watching, and they're reading a book. Uh, it just simply amazes me. People drive and read simultaneously. They read books, but most, most times they read emails, and they read texts. Uh, and that explains a lot of things that happen on the highway. I think Paul was tracking with this in 1 Corinthians 10.23. He said, I may do anything, but everything is not useful or constructive. Paul says, I can do anything... I'm free as a Christian to do anything, but it's not all useful, and it's not all constructive. He says that there are many things in life that are not necessarily wrong, they're just not necessary. And you have to eliminate the time wasters. How do you fill up 86,400 seconds every day? What opportunities do you seize, and which ones are fall balls? You don't chase the fall balls. They've gone, they've gone out into the stands. You don't bother running back there. They're gone. Save your energy. When we make the best choice and we eliminate the time wasters, we create what is called margin in our lives. And in order to enjoy the journey of life, we desperately need some margin in life. 
I had the picture just the other day of that creating margin is like clearing your desk. I find it really difficult to work with a cluttered desk. But in order to keep it clear, you have to make decisions about what you will allow to be on your desk. Do you file some of it? Do you toss some of it? Do you put it on somebody else's desk? You have to decide or it just piles up. And if you don't make a decision, you really are making a decision. We are bombarded with so much stuff that wants a space on our desk called time. What do we do with it? We have to decide every day what to do with it. Do I engage it? Do I file it? Do I stuff it? Do I pass it on to somebody else? Do I ignore it? Our clarity is knowing what is important and what isn't. And that's paramount to creating margin in our lives. When you're overloaded by activity, you can only think of yourself. You're in survival mode, just trying to make it through another day. And when you have no margin in life and God comes along and he taps you on the shoulder and he says, I'd love for you to do this for me. This is how I wired you. This is how I have prepared you. And now the timing is, this is for you. And instead of us feeling, oh Lord, really? I'm so thrilled to be part of that. We say, oh no. Another thing to do. Sorry, God, I'd like to do that, but I'm just too busy. And we end up resenting the great opportunities that God brings into our lives. But when you have margin, you're available for God to use. I used to watch out my office at home and see the neighbor boy. He's now about 12 years old. He is the, he's an upcoming athlete, I'm sure, uh, to be in the some something professional. He loves to shoot the puck. He loves to shoot the baskets. He loves it. But I know what he loves the most is when his dad comes home and plays with him. And when his dad puts on the goalie pads, he loves it. It's like, Dad, don't go, don't go, stay with me. Let's do this. And he just loves it. And he's always waiting for his dad to come home. Strangely enough, you know, I've never heard these experiences from my own experience as a dad. Okay, Dad, we've played enough. Why don't you just go back to the office now? We've had it. You should get some more work done. And I've never heard Mark say to me, Ken, you're coming home too early. You're just getting too much done around the house. I can't handle it. Why don't you go back to the office and get some work done there? The most important thing the most important time you will invest will be in your family. Some of you remember that old song, The Cats in the Cradle by Harry Chapman. It's so old we've forgotten it. My child arrived just the other day. He came to the world in the usual way, but there were planes to catch and bills to pay, and he learned to walk while I was away. He was talking before I knew it, and as he grew, he said, I'm going to be like you, Dad. You know, I'm going to be like you. My son turned 10 the other day. He said, thanks for the ball. Now, come on, let's play. Can you teach me to throw? I said, not today. I've got a lot to do. He said, that's okay. 
And he walked away and he smiled and he said, you know, I'm going to be just like you, Dad. You know, I'm going to be just like you. The final verse says, I've long since retired and my son's moved away. I called him up just the other day. I said, I'd like to see you, if you don't mind. He said, I'd love to, Dad, if I could find the time. You see, my new job's a hassle and the kids have the flu. But it's sure nice talking to you. It's sure nice talking to you. And as I hung up the phone, it occurred to me, he'd grown up just like me. My boy was just like me. Well, maybe you heard the song, but, but here's the rest of the story. Harry Chapin's wife, Sandy, actually wrote the words to that song after their son Josh was born. And it became a self-fulfilling prophecy. When their son was seven, Harry was performing 200 concerts a year, and Sandy asked him if he's going to take some time to be with his son. And Harry promised to make some time at the end of the summer. He never made it. That summer, a truck hit Harry's Volkswagen bug, and he was killed. So that time never came for Harry. And then the last one is E. E is for enjoy. Teach us to number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. That we may gain a heart of wisdom. And you know, when you live wisely, there's joy. And there's freedom that comes to your life. When you live with margin, you have joy in your life. You have peace. You look forward to each day. So E is for enjoy. But let me just wrap this up uh, by saying to you that there are some things in life that I don't want to miss. And they're really the big things of life. Remember Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and all of these other things will be added to you. In other words, get the direction right from God. Seek him with all your heart and you'll find that even the smaller stuff that you sweat falls into place. What don't you want to miss in life? Well, here's some things that I don't want to miss in this life. And the first is a letter G that stands for growth. I would like to experience some growth in this life before I use up all those seconds. Before the last day, the letter G is real important to me. I'd like to grow more. I'd like to improve more. I'd like to strengthen my walk with God more. I'd like to establish some patterns in my life that are really rich and meaningful and for others to follow. And I'd like to make some headway. I don't want to always be praying on the run. I don't want to skim God. I'd like to be kind of the kind of person that can live a kingdom kind of life. I want to grow. I want to experience the intimacy of a walk with Jesus that's rich and powerful. And I know that a big part of that means I have to get deliberate about time. In particular, it means being deliberate about spending some time alone with God, getting to know his heart. I want to grow. I want to grow more. I see 
how much more there is. The second letter is the letter P, and P stands for people. And I think as you journey along in life, what matters most is people. More than all the amenities of life that we spend so much time and effort and money in collecting are people. I know we're all grateful for our families. They're God's amazing gift to us. And sometimes it's the old thing called time that keeps us from enjoying what matters the most. We don't want to miss a, a day at being good grandparents. Good grandma, good grandpa. Oh my goodness, how important that is. And I want to notice people who are far from God. That's not because it's a job to notice them, but because I genuinely care. And I want to be aware of my neighbors. I want to connect with them. And I, I want to extend a hand to them. We've got great neighbors. And I want to have a place in my heart for people who, who don't have all the blessings of life. For people who are poor. That's why El Salvador is real important. I want to walk across racial and cultural divides. And be a friend. Yeah. Kind. So P is for people. And the last letter is J. J stands for joy. As the old song, Joy in Serving Jesus, our, our family was, of course, an English family, McDonald, and we, we grew up right beside a German Baptist church. And there were all German people there. Even the service was in German. And my dad said, we're going there. And we went there. We met the most wonderful people. And when they started to speak English, we got to understand what that service was all about and get to know God and walk with God. And, and those German people sang with their deep guttural voice, there's joy in serving Jesus. I'll never forget it. There's joy in serving Jesus. You know, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And I want that to be true in my life. What would it look like if the joy, the joy of Jesus, the real joy of Jesus was filling your heart? I don't want to miss the joy of every day. The Bible says that this is the day the Lord has made. That we're going to rejoice and be glad in it. So time, T is for treasure. I is for invest. M is for manage. And E is for enjoy. Can I keep you just a moment longer? Can we talk just a moment here? Could you think about what you've heard this morning? Maybe would you take a moment and uh, jot down mentally or in a piece of paper what you think God wants you to take away from this today? What did you hear? What did you hear for your heart? 
Is there a restart needed in some areas? Is there a dialogue needed with some family member? Is there a way to release some things, clear the desk of some things, and focus on the major things? Would you bow with me and just take a moment and think about that? Would you stand with me, please? Lord, every one of our hearts is seen by you. You know the battle for some. You know the stresses for some. You know the brokenness. Lord, you hand us a gift every day, 24 hours. And you ask us to treasure every one of those days so that at the end of life we may have gained a heart of wisdom. And Lord, you see our struggle and you hear our cry when we feel so hopelessly swamped by the demands and challenges of life. Lord, some of your people here this morning are processing all of this in the midst of sickness in their families. They're processing it in the midst of brokenness in their family. They're, they're thinking it through in the midst of dealing with disabilities and economic slowdowns and children who require some additional care and a spouse who is struggling with an affliction or a, a medical need. So it's never easy. So you see us as we put our game face on from day to day. Lord, may we feel the embrace of the Holy Spirit as we look to you for guidance and direction and power. For you said that you'll never leave us nor forsake us. Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So Lord, every day is your gift. And we invite you to be the Lord of our days and of our hours and of our seconds. We invite you and ask you to be the Lord of all. And we simply thank you this morning, Lord, for loving us and for carrying us and for caring for us. We love you, Lord. And would you take care of each one here in the name of Jesus.